Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show, but while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might have missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. 
I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, friends. I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my friend, Deborah Folletta, and I'm so excited for you to get to know her. She has some incredible wisdom for us today. Deborah, thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. We were just talking about this. I keep wanting to call you Deb, which I asked permission to do. And and you said I could. So if so I just need to get that out there. But you said you have a story about Deborah versus Deb. Yeah, it's funny. You feel free to call me whatever you want. But when I um was growing up, I actually went by the name Debbie. Okay. So all my friends, all my family members called me Debbie. All my up all through college, everyone called me Debbie. And then when I met my husband, um, he literally, I met him at this conference and he just started calling me Deb. Like he didn't even ask if he could call me Deb. He just started calling me Deb. Uh-huh. And at first it really annoyed me. But then when I started having feelings for him and, and our relationship developed, I found it endearing that he was like the only person that called me Deb. But what's interesting is that you can tell how somebody knows me by what they call me. So if they call me Deborah, it's usually a professional way that they know me. If they call me Debbie, it's someone from high school or family member or college. And if they call me Deb, it's the post John years. So it's just a hilarious pattern, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit too. uh, You can, so you can call me whatever one you feel most comfortable with. (laughs) Okay. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm really glad to know that. Okay. So Deb, we're going to go with Deb. I like Um, it. Tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Okay. Well, I am a licensed professional counselor, and um, I also run one of the most popular faith-based relationship advice blogs called truelovedates.com. And I'm also an author. 
So those are just some things that I do. A fun fact about me, I, I, I can think of two. First of all, I homeschool my three kids, and that's kind of a neat fun thing. But also my background is Egyptian. So my parents are both from Cairo, Egypt. So I always think that's a fun fact. That is a fun fact. Those are both fun facts. I love that. I love getting to know that. Okay. So Deb, I personally am so excited about this conversation. In a way, I feel like I'm recording something that I wish I could pack up and send into the past to myself because I really, really needed this a handful of years ago. So um, this really is for me. I wish I could go back and give it to myself, but it's for anyone else who's sitting in this place right now because when I went through this in my own life, there were no resources about this. And so I'm super grateful for this. So what I want to talk about, I get this question from women all the time who are dating a guy and things are going well, but they're asking, like, how do you know when things are going well enough for you to actually get married? How do you know if he's the one? And when I started dating Carl, we knew pretty quickly that something was special about the other one. We had both dated quite a bit and spent a lot of time really getting to know ourselves and um, growing as people. Like, we just did a lot of work before we came across each other. And so when we did, I mean, we really knew pretty quickly that something was really special. But as we started to look towards the future and talk about marriage, I found myself, I was in the safest, most stable relationship I'd ever been in, but I was freaking out at the, yeah. process, at the prospect of marriage. And I'd never been scared of marriage before. I, I didn't think I had any sort of crazy marriage issues, but I found myself really doubting my ability to make a lifelong decision like this. I found myself questioning everything, questioning Carl, questioning myself, questioning the Lord, like just totally lost and looking for answers because I was really scared of, of doing this wrong. And the thing that I think was the scariest for me is that no one else was talking about this. Yeah. So I'd see people get engaged and, you know, share it all over Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And they looked so happy and not at all confused about whether they were doing the right thing or not. And I was so confused. And in that, I think because I was scared, the thing I was most afraid of was that my fear meant something bad. Like, yeah. if you're afraid to marry this guy, you probably shouldn't is kind of what I was thinking and I mean, I went to counseling about it. I, and I, I just was a wreck about it. And, um, and I really felt so alone in it. So that's kind of the background, um, and, and how I'm coming at this conversation. And so I have a million questions that are very like from my own heart, but mm. before we get into any of them, before we get into any of them, I want to talk about the idea of the one, Yeah, like Everyone has different ideas about this. Some people think that there is one person on the planet for each of us, and it is our job to find them, or yeah. we have to wait for God to like connect the dots. Um, other people think that there are a handful of people that we could be compatible with. Where do you, what are your thoughts on the idea of the one? That's such a good question. And it's one that I get a lot as well from readers and listeners and people who are just kind of concerned. The same exact idea of what you just shared. I love that story because it's just so real. You know, it's just such a real perspective into relationships and not the Instagram picture of relationships that we often see. You know, what's interesting about this is that my husband and I have different views on this question. And I love that. Because it just goes to show you that there are people on different ends of the spectrum. I have always grown up 
learning that there is one person out there for you. That's kind of how I grew up and the things that were passed down to me. But there came a point in my life where I kind of realized, like, I don't know how I feel about this concept. I mean, let's just say Sam was supposed to marry Rebecca and he ended up marrying Rachel instead. Then what does Rebecca do? Like, who does Rebecca marry? And does that totally ruin God's plan for the one that each person is supposed to marry? If one person marries the wrong person, then does that like ruin the shake up everything? Shake up the entire algorithm, right? Like, does this mess it up? And and just something about that idea didn't ever sit well with me. When I met my husband for the first time, um, uh, I, I I I was sharing a little bit about that experience at a at a, a speaking event I did, and and this girl came up to me afterwards, and she was like, "When you met your husband, did you receive confirmation?" And I was, I literally had no clue what she was talking about. I was like, confirmation? Like I'm flying tomorrow. Do I need to confirm my airline tickets? Like, what is she talking about confirmation? And I realized that she meant confirmation from God. Like, did did God give you a signal or a sign or a voice or a feeling that this was the one? And I was like, no. I mean, the first thought when I met John was, who would wear long sleeves with shorts? Like, why is he wearing that? <laughs> that was the first thought. And then I was like, you know what? He's really tall. That was my second thought. And then my third thought was, he's a really nice guy. I'm looking forward to becoming friends with him. Like, that was literally it. There was nothing deeper than that. Now, when John met me, he says that he had this feeling that he was going to marry me. He just had this gut feeling. And he called his best friend and he was like, I met the girl I'm going to marry. And it's really not like him. It's not his personality at all. So his friend was like, are you okay? Like, what is wrong with you? So we had two completely separate experiences when we met. But even though he might have come into it with this idea of the one, and I did not come into it with the idea of the one, we both had to pass through the same next steps in order to know if this was going to be a good match for us. We each had to go through what I call the four seasons of a relationship. And these four seasons are basically the next steps of a relationship that kind of expose to you what this relationship is made of. They expose the ingredients of the relationship the health of the relationship. And those are the things that God used to give me confirmation, not the initial feelings. My feelings are crazy. I mean, one day I'm feeling this, one day I'm feeling that. I can't trust my feelings. That's the kind of person I know I am. And so I feel like the answer to this question looks different for everybody. And even if some people do believe in the one, the next thing still has to be the same, whether you believe in the one or not. And that's a process. I like, I'm trying not to dance in my chair right now. I love this so much. It's funny because that, that you said that your husband reacted in a way that like, isn't normal for him. Yeah. I'm like totally a feeler. And if I have a gut feeling about something, I'm going with it. And I feel like yeah. I'm much more uh, like, I don't know, maybe spontaneous or like, I, I do way less research than my husband. And Carl is like more methodical and a little more critical. Like he's a cr- really good critical thinker, does tons of research. And, and so it would be more like our personalities for me to see him feel something and be like, I'm just sure he's the one. And for him to like make a pros and cons list. Right. When it came to us meeting each other, 
I was so pro and con list. And he was like, I just, just, I mean, he didn't instantly see me and think that I was the one. I think his first thought about me, like we didn't really get along when we first met. It's a longer story. We've told it on the podcast before, but like neither of us had a gut feeling right at first. Um, But I do, he talks a little bit about praying and talking to God and just saying like, is Stephanie the person I should marry? Is she the one for me? And I remember asking him about that, like, you know, have you talked to God about this? What is, what do you feel like he's saying? And Carl always says that he felt like God said, she can be like, Mm -hmm. is she the one she can be? And he's like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you want her to be, do you want to marry her? Carl's like, well, yeah. And God's like, okay. And, And I think you know, at first I thought that was shocking and like unromantic. I wanted God to be like, yes, we found each other. Like <laughs> the stars are aligning. And, but instead, I, it's really cool that Carl picked me, you know, yes. and I got to pick him back. And for me, it took a really long process of seeing our relationship through several seasons to feel yes. really confident in making that decision. And he didn't need those seasons as much as, or he didn't like, he wasn't looking for that confirmation as desperately as I was. Yeah. But it's so good. It's just cool. And, and the truth stories. is once you choose somebody to marry, you know, the moment you say, I do, you have chosen the one, like, that's it. You made that choice and they become the one. I think part of the problem is for, for, for people who do believe in the one, again, it's a fine belief. It's fine if that's how you want to believe, but but then what what I struggle with is when people come to me on the brink of divorce and they say, well, this is the one that I was supposed to marry. I'm, I must have listened to God wrong. I must have heard him wrong. I must have married the wrong one. Like then we struggle. It's like if there is only one person out there, then maybe I messed up somewhere along the way rather than taking responsibility for our choice from the beginning, from day one, taking mm-hmm. responsibility for this relationship that we're cultivating, you know, and, and whether or not it's a good match for our life. I love that. I love that. Um, so whether or not we believe in the one, at some point we need to decide if the person we're dating is the person we want to marry. And like I said, this was incredibly stressful for me and I really needed a, a long I needed to see our, our relationship go through a lot before I felt like I had, like I could really make this decision. And so I feel like I probably went through the spring and summer and fall and winter. Can you talk to us about that? Those yeah, seasons absolutely. and what that looks like? Yeah. So just as nature passes through seasons, so do relationships, you know, and, and some people will tell you just um, literally speaking, you need to go through the four seasons of a relationship, meaning you should see somebody at every point of the year, see them in spring, summer, fall, and winter, see them at the beginning of the year, all the way through Christmas, and just see how they handle life and relationships and experiences. So there is there is something to be said of the literal time period of, of 12 months. But there's also something to be said figuratively as well, because just as nature passes through four seasons, so do relationships. They pass through four different stages. And each stage gives you more context of how healthy this relationship is. So let's start with the season of spring. The season of spring is the time where attraction tends to blossom and affection is blooming. Everything feels nice and new and exciting. 
It's also the season of planting seeds because the seeds that you plant in spring are going to be what bear fruit later on, right? So are you planting good seeds and what do they look like? It's the season of growth and at the time when your relationship is rapidly growing and, and there's a lot of give and take that needs to happen in order for a relationship to grow. You, you can't give too much or you'll suffocate the relationship and you can't give too little or the relationship will wither and die. There's got to be this equal balance of initiative and pursuit and give and take. So there's a lot of things that we can kind of unpack in the season of spring from attraction to um, those the people who are struggling with those feelings of, you know, maybe not having them the way they expected to have them in the season of spring, but maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. And then we move into the season of summer and summer is the season when things get hot and you start shedding your layers and you're learning a little bit more about who this person is in real life, not just who you thought they were or who they presented themselves to be in the beginning. One thing I love about summer is it's a season of heat, the heat of intimacy. You know, you start developing intimacy emotionally and spiritually and physically and kind of start testing out all of those things and and whether you've got healthy things going on in those aspects of a relationship. Then we move on to the season of fall. And fall is when your true colors start to shine through and you realize that you are two different people with two different personalities and ways of processing, two different family of origin that you came from, two different experiences and you have different expectations and different personalities and communication styles. And fall can be the season of conflict because all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, we don't agree about everything. And no, I don't, I don't like that. I don't really want to do that. And, and you start realizing that you're different But conflict is not a bad thing depending on how you navigate it because it can be an invitation for deeper connection. So a lot of that happens in the season of fall. And then we move into the season of winter. And winter is kind of the season where things begin to cool off a little. You're not fogged by the the, um, infatuation of spring and you start seeing the relationship for what it is. You start slowly combining your worlds and it's the season of comfort and familiarity. It's the season of the mundane day in, day out stuff. And when you're in the season of winter, you've kind of seen a lot of things unfold along the way. And I feel like when you get to the season of winter, you can really make an informed decision about whether or not this is the type of person you want to spend your life with. But the problem is people just zip through these things and they don't even think about them. You know, there's, there's more to relationships than how do I feel there's, you've got to unpack the ingredients and the things that you're seeing that are either going to make a healthy relationship or not. I, I love this so much. And I never would have thought about this this way is especially because like, I think, you know, we think of spring as, as new things that I, it just, I, I love, I love this. Um, this is so helpful. And, and really, as I'm looking back on that year of Carl and I dating, we really went through so many of these things and it was seeing him, you know, it was getting to know him better. It was mm. like taking off some of those layers and seeing the kind of messier stuff. It was seeing his true colors and it was seeing right. what day in, day out life with him looked like and how he treated me that by really by the end of about a year, I was like, this person is, is quality. This person is really good, but I really needed all of that time. Yes, it's really so true. Decision. And you know, when I hear you tell me your story about 
those beginning stages. Um, this book I just wrote about the seasons, love in every season in the beginning, in the, in the season of spring, I actually talk to people who are struggling because sometimes in the season of spring, instead of feeling the excitement and the attraction and the affection, you're feeling anxiety or, or doubt or worry. And I was actually there as well, but but we have two different stories because I was in a relationship and I talk about this in more detail in the book, but I was in a relationship that wasn't actually a good match for me. And I, I didn't take the time to navigate through the seasons, kind of zipped through them and went with the first relationship that seemed okay, you know? And the problem is sometimes what's okay takes the place of God's best for your life, you know? And so I went into that and I'm like, okay, this relationship is okay, but I'm struggling with doubt. So here's you struggling with doubt and here's me struggling with doubt. So the doubt in and of itself doesn't give us direction because we've got to figure out where this doubt is coming from and what it's rooted in. And in Love in Every Season, I explained that there's two things that you need to really address when you're feeling that anxiety. Number one, you've got to ask yourself, does this anxiety reflect a problem in the relationship? Or number two, does this anxiety reflect a problem in me? Hmm. Because the answer to that is going to help me determine the next steps. For me, I was looking at this relationship I was in. This was long before I met my husband, John, and this relationship that just was missing some things. And I didn't even know who I was, much less know what I needed in a relationship, you know? So the the doubt was God's way of saying to me, hey, this isn't a good match for you. You know, like there's something else that's going to be better for you. But for someone like you, the doubt was rooted in fear or maybe a fear of commitment, maybe a fear of making a mistake, maybe a fear of of doing something that wasn't God's best for you, like like your own personal fears of failure, your own personal fears that were probably rooted in your past experiences. Yeah. You know, so so sometimes it's our own junk that holds us back from relationships. And sometimes it's the junk in the relationship. And sometimes it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And so that's why it's really important for us to kind of learn how to get to the root of those anxieties and fears and what's really fueling them. It sounds like, you know, I was so afraid that doubt was a bad thing. It sounds like doubt is actually a really good thing because it makes us ask some questions. And it like helps us find, I mean, really the more I dug into like, (laughs) poor guy, like making pros and cons about whether I thought Carl was the right one for me. I mean, the more I got to know his, his character and, and he has a solid gold character. And and I got to see that the the further I dug and, and it was cool because a lot of the conflict in that season, I mean, I was pretty honest with him about how scared I was and how unsure I was. And I got to see that he was so sure, like he didn't back up. He didn't Mm. run. He didn't, um, my doubt didn't make him fill with doubt. He just was so steady through all of it. Right. um, I got to see really how he handled me, not at my best, which is so good to see because there are all kinds of times in our marriage when I haven't been at my best. Exactly. It gives you a glimpse of how he's going to handle you for the rest of life. And, you know, it sounds to me also like you have, you do struggle with probably a general underlying anxiety in in life in general, because I can really connect to that too. And I've worked with people who, you know, I worked with this 
person who was in a relationship and struggling with whether or not they should marry this other person that they were dating for five years, five years. But here's the thing. They were a great match and there were so many good signs, but what was paralyzing this person was their clinical anxiety. Yes. The clinical anxiety of, I don't know if I can make such a big choice. So, so as a counselor, you're looking at this situation and you're seeing there is nothing even remotely near a yellow flag or a red flag. So to me, this is underlying clinical anxiety. And when we got to the root of the clinical anxiety, it gave that person the freedom to say, you know what? I'm not going to let anxiety be my God and I'm going to move forward in faith. And they are currently married and they have an amazing relationship. So it goes to show you like we've got to get to the root, you know? Deb. Uh, like, I feel like the girls who have been listening to the show for a while are like, she just nailed Stephanie because this, that time in my life, I never thought that I struggled with anxiety, but in that season I was having real panic attacks, but I didn't know what they were. Yeah. And really it actually, the girls again, who've been listening for a while know that it wasn't until about two years ago that anxiety came back in such a way that I finally had to be like, is this a real clinical thing in my life. And it absolutely is. I've been struggling with anxiety my whole life and I really didn't know it until about two years ago. Um, but like, yeah, girl, I'm with, I am right there with you, girl. I am right there with you. I, I was a very anxious child and, and anxiety has sort of been, um, on the back burner for many years, but thankfully because I'm a counselor, like it was easier to identify, um, not easier to work through, but easier to identify, right. you know? Right. And and so I feel like there's a freedom there when you can recognize this is not me, this is anxiety. And I'm, and I don't, I don't listen to anxiety. I listen to yes. God and, and and here's the difference, yes. you know, instead of them all being yes. one and it's so confusing. It's so confusing. Truly. I honestly, I'm like, I really wish that you had said that sentence to me years ago because it would have been I wish I could have too. I really do. So, you know, we've talked about going through these seasons and looking for different qualities in someone, trying to see kind of what they're made of. And so I want to know, like, really, what are some of the qualities we need to see in a person we're dating before we decide they're the one we want to marry? And how many of those, how, how many of those things should be romantic feelings? Like I'm so attracted to them or I feel so like, happy when they're around or whatever. And then how many of those things should be practical things like he has a job and he's responsible and I feel like he would be a good life partner. Yeah. Well, I think there's a balance. Um, I'm going to refer to the spring chapter again, where, where we talk about um, the, the, the laws of attraction. Attraction is essentially your desire to move towards somebody. Like if, if human beings are magnetic, we tend to attract people who are similar to us in health, um, emotional, psychological, spiritual health. So I always say, if you want to attract a healthy relationship, you start by becoming mm. healthy because you're magnetic and you're going to change your relationships when you get healthier because you're going to attract different kinds of people and be attracted to different kinds of people, you know? So, so, but all that to say attraction is multifaceted. It's not just this one thing. When we think of the word attraction, a lot of times we think physical, like I'm attracted to that person. They're good looking, but attraction has layers and, and different things that we've got to look at. So there is the physical piece, but there's also the personality piece. Am I attracted to their personalities? Do we connect well? There's the mental 
peace, mental and emotional attraction, and then there's spiritual attraction. So all of those things are important ingredients because we've all had that experience where you are attracted to somebody very much physically, and then you get to know them and attraction just Mm -hmm. dies. You know, it's like, oh man, this person is not at all what I Mm -hmm. envisioned. And I think the opposite happens too, where sometimes you meet somebody and they're maybe not your type or what you expected, but all of a sudden you get to know them and and you you just start becoming more and more drawn to them. And to me, that's attraction when you are drawn towards somebody. So there's a balance. I think sometimes we look at the physical piece and we let it make up too much of the equation of what I'm looking for. It's like, I'm not feeling these crazy feelings like Hollywood tells me I'm supposed to feel. Um, Instead of trying to maximize all the other components of attraction and invest in spiritual attraction, emotional attraction, personality. Um, So there's got to be a healthy balance in what we're looking for. We don't want to be completely logical because somebody that looks right on paper isn't necessarily right Mm -hmm. in person, you know? So I feel like there has to be a healthy balance of of all those different things that we're looking for and realizing I, I want a little of each category as I'm looking for someone I want to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. 